The International Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. It's Wednesday, dear friends, and we are delighted that we have found you. You found us, and we're right here going to spend some time with an open Bible. I've been talking the last two days, and we'll, throughout the week here, be talking about the subject of bold, believing prayer, and uh, going to teach you some things from the Bible, and at the same time, hopefully encourage you in your prayer experience and in your prayer life. Now, let me remind you, this is the midweek, and good churches, by and large, have midweek services, and I trust that you'll find your way to the house of God tonight. It'll do you good. I hope that you'll be there. And uh, at the same time, let me remind you of the Sword of the Lord Men's Conference, November 10 and 11. Go to the Sword of the Lord website and check it out. Guys, you're going to love it, and I hope you'll be here with us for that. It's coming very, very soon now, just days away, November 10 and 11. Well, let's get right to our study today where we're talking about the matter of bold, believing prayer. We've built this around that verse in Hebrews chapter 4 that says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, so often prayer is our last resort. So often we do everything else and then, oh, maybe we should pray about it. Well, I believe this passage is a good indication that the Lord would have us to come to him much quicker than that, and that we would just determine that whenever things come up, whenever there are things at issue, whenever we have needs, we have burdens, we're walking through some valley, that we get with the Lord early on in the process, and that we look to him, trust him, believe him, and that we unhesitatingly come up in prayer to the throne of grace and just let the Lord know what we've got on our mind. Now, yesterday and the day before, we looked at several what I call just great prayer texts. These are Bible verses that uh, admonish us to pray, that tell us about prayer, that make it clear that prayer is a part of the Christian experience. Today, I want to show you some illustrations of prayer in the Bible, and these will all be in the book of Acts, and they are just helping us to see that in situations where we are, circumstances where we live, that we can plug in our ability and our privilege in prayer. We can do that whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances are. So let's look at these illustrations in prayer. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us, these, talking about the 120 members of the Jerusalem church, this is prior to the day of Pentecost. They're getting together, and they're having a meeting of the fellowship of the church. And by the way, there was a church before Pentecost. They had 120 members. This tells us that right here in Acts chapter 1. And it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, that tells me something about this crowd of folks. They were, in fact, some of them had been very close with the Lord Jesus, and it's only been a brief period of time since the ascension of Jesus. And so they knew him. They had time with him. And so they have been schooled, discipled, taught. They have been given all kinds of instructions 
about how to live the Christian life and how to experience the ministry that he has entrusted to them and to us. And so what do they do here? They're getting ready for what's about to happen in Acts chapter 2, where that they had a tremendous time of evangelism, a tremendous time of seeing people saved, 3,000 people on that one day. They knew that the Feast of Pentecost was just ahead. That's on the Jewish calendar every single year. And so when we talk about Pentecost, we're talking about a Jewish feast day. They knew that was coming. It was just a few days ahead. And so what did they do? They continued with one accord, and this is another thing, if we're going to get results in prayer, we need to be with a group that we have unity together, that we have that one accord in place. And so he says they were in one accord. They knew who they were. They knew what they were up to. They knew what God was up to, and they were in on it full-fledged. And so what did they do? They continued in prayer, and they continued to make known the things that were on their heart. They were praying to the Lord, asking Him for strength, for power, for whatever. And so in advance of a great, great effort on the feast day of Pentecost, they got together in prayer. And I think you and I would do well to remember that whenever we are going to do something of significance, it just might be well, in fact, I'll say it more pointedly than that, it would be well that we spend time in prayer as well. And if there are other people involved with you in the project, in the effort, then it would be important for you to pray with them. Now, let's turn for a second illustration to Acts chapter number 2 and verse 42. This one is right on the day of Pentecost, and it is expressing what happens after all of these people have been saved. Verse 41 says there were about 3,000 souls that came to Christ on that day, and many of them were foreign Jews who were there for the feast day of Pentecost. Verse 42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So yes, they're being taught. Yes, they're having fellowship. Yes, they are getting together. They're having meetings, but they are praying together. And after this great turnaround in the lives of so many of these people, people who had been involved in Judaism, now they've become Christians. They have received the Messiah. They have trusted Christ. And having done that, it's important for them to get in on the teaching, get in on the fellowship, and for there to be prayer made on their behalf. So there again, we have a situation, a circumstance in which prayer is not only exercised, but it is entirely appropriate. Now, when we get to chapter 4, and verse 31, we discover another illustration in prayer. And uh, this time, we've got a bunch of folks who are getting angry. They're getting hostile toward these Christians in Jerusalem. They're beginning to turn against the Jerusalem church. And so they found themselves really in jeopardy here. And verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So what happens when the heat's on? What do you do when hostility is thrust at you? Well, these folks prayed. And when they prayed, there was an answer from God. The Bible says the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And notice they were together in a meeting. They were having a church event. 
And uh, what was that shaking going? Well, maybe it was an earthquake. Maybe the Lord just in some miraculous way shook the place. It doesn't tell us. But then the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, once again, filled them for the work, filled them for the ministry. And remember, Acts chapter 1 tells us that the filling of the Holy Spirit is for the witness of the gospel. It is so that we can communicate the truth of God to a lost world. And here again, after having been filled, the very next part of the verse says, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So when you get filled with the Spirit of God, the natural thing that will happen is a supernatural thing, actually. And what it amounts to is the filling of the Spirit empowers you so that you will be the kind of witness that you ought to be. So once again, we have circumstance, we have situation, and that is a wonderful, wonderful event once again. And again, a lot of people were saved on that occasion. Now, here's another illustration in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Guess what's happening now? We've got so many new converts. The church has grown so much that uh, we've got issues going on and people are complaining. People are saying, hey, some of these folks need to be cared for and they're not being attended to. And verse 4 tells us, chapter 6 of Acts, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, what's the setting here? They said, we need to appoint some help. And they appointed these seven men who were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, Chapter 6, verse 3 tells us, and uh, these men maybe were the first deacons, doesn't say that, but uh, we surmise it was kind of an assignment like that, and they were given some responsibility to help take care of things, and the apostles, the preachers, then were able to devote themselves to the ministry of the Word and to prayer. Listen, people who are in the ministry— Guys that are pastor, missionary, evangelist, whatever role, if you are in the ministry, you need to be in touch with your Heavenly Father. You need to pray. And uh, when you do, I mean, just very quickly here, verse 7 says, as a result of this, them getting the help so the apostles and preachers could go ahead and do the work they needed to be doing, the Word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith. So what we have here is a good illustration of how a church needs to administer itself. The fact is, the leaders of the church need to attend to the matters of preaching. They need to attend to the matters of getting people saved. They need to administer things, but they need help in the process. And all of us can pitch in. All of us can help. All of us can be a part of the serving that goes on to make sure that everything functions like it ought to. And he says, these men of God knew the importance of prayer, and so they did pray in making possible the election of these helpers. Now, let's turn to another illustration. This one in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5, where Simon Peter is in prison, and guess what the church is doing? Well, amazingly, they're praying. Let's look at it. Chapter 12, verse 5 of Acts. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So these folks who were not imprisoned are praying for the man who is in prison. They are praying on his behalf that the Lord will work and minister to him, and uh, they need him. They need him on the outside. They need him to be at work. They need his ministry. But here he has been locked up 
because of his ministry, because he is faithful, because he is fruitful, because he has become a strong servant of the Lord. I mean, this is the same Simon Peter. We know some of his failures, some of his foibles from way back, and yet he recovered from that and became a stout, solid servant of God. And uh, now he's locked up. And so what happens? Well, these precious people in the church, guess what they do? They pray. And the result is, I mean, the Lord gets him out. The Lord bails him out. And uh, he winds up uh, coming to them and saying, look, hey, I'm out. I'm free. And all of that because of the praying of the people. Now, look, we've got illustration after illustration here. And uh, there are more of them. But I'll stop here in a moment just to remind you, though, notice what we've looked at today. Different situations, different needs, different circumstances, different times when people have particular issues that they're dealing with. And every single time, these good, godly people, they get on their face before God. They talk to the Lord. They tell the Lord what is the need that they have right at that time. And that's why we're giving emphasis here, because all of us need to also be bold in our praying, believing in our praying, and do exactly what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, come boldly under the throne of grace so that we can find grace and find help in the time of need. That is a privilege that is due to every one of us. And these illustrations out of the Bible show us very clearly that every child of God can do that. And I encourage you to begin to pray. You don't have to pray long prayers. You can pray little short prayers and get through to God. So I hope that you'll do that. Listen, tomorrow and Friday, we're going to do some more on this very subject. So please plan to join me again. And in the meantime, don't forget, I love to hear from you. And I want to encourage you to write me a note real soon. Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And until tomorrow, God bless you. Do have a great rest of this day, and goodbye for now.